0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of F&I Rap Chat uh, with the two Pauls, Um Hello, how are you? Um, it's raining today. That sucks. Um, so welcome to episode 30. My God, time flies when you're having fun. Um, yeah, we really appreciate you listening in. And if you get a chance, do listen in to the, uh, to the Jerry Nelson episode, the previous episode. It's, uh, it's really good, and he gives some really... Um, Kind of important uh, pieces of information, and he's a like a really really enthusiastic guy and it's really it's really good to see somebody who still has the passion after such a long time working so check that out um yeah in other f and i news uh, we have uh, we've acting workshop coming up for f and i members with the uh, force of nature <laughs> that is gary cook gary is um is uh you'll be familiar with his work from Apre Match. He's um like apart from being h- hilariously funny, he's also a really warm and engaging tutor and I think it would be very beneficial for actors to uh check that out. So keep an eye on our social networks. Um and also, um on the uh, Headstuff uh, Headstuff Podcast Network, make ch- uh, make sure to check out uh uh, uh write stuff the right stuff on uh, on the network. Um I, I think it uh segues nicely to a lot of our kind of material and our guests and you should really check that out um yes so today we have uh, a writer by the name of pierce ryan pierce is a uh um has he's been around for a while he's from waterford um and we had a really good <laughs> quite funny chat with him about the, about his experiences gone uh in the past about uh writing he's a uh, two feature credits under his belt Stand By a few years ago directed by Robin Ronan Burke um, and he talks very candidly about the whole experience the writing process and um, how it uh, how it was received and uh, it's, it's really frank and honest uh, his other feature which he wrote uh, um, Black 47 is in cinemas uh, as of last week uh, you should really try and go and see that uh, on the big screen it's a Revenge, Western, uh, famine thriller, directed by Lance Daly, and it features the wonderful uh, Hugo, Mr. Anderson, we- uh, weaving, <laughs> and uh, Barry Keoghan, uh, an up-and-coming Irish actor. Who, if you haven't had a chance uh, to check out any of his work, he's uh, he's really fantastic. He's uh, really one to watch, uh, and his other feature, American Animals, is out this week in cinemas as well. So. Yeah, get all Barry Cogin'd out. Uh, There's loads of material there. Uh, Thanks, as always, to our sponsors um, for our last event. Um, Too many to mention, but you know who you are, so thanks so much for that. Um, And yes, if you'd like to support FNI, our workshops, events and seminars, uh, go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. um, Because we're running on fumes. Uh, Ladies and gents, this is uh, Pierce Ryan.
1: You know, if we never talk to each other again after this, we can look back on this interview and go, well, there's the reason why. We don't. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we become friends for life, then yes. we have this recording and go, you know, when you were telling that story, I knew that's when we be was bosom buddies it. for life. Well, when we're, leaving, you know, we s- buddies.
0: When, when we're leaving, we can say we always have head stuff. <laughs>
1: we always have head stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the latest episode of Rap Chat with uh,
2: the two Pauls. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, so we are in the studio with Pierce Ryan. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, lads. Uh, What mode are you in? Are you in writing mode, development mode?
1: Are you in 47 mode?
0: Yeah, are you in... Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Sorry.
1: What mode? Okay, um, always in writing mode. Yeah, Yeah. always in writing mode. Everything else is just kind of cherry on top of the, the cake, okay. you know, if and when it happens. I think, like I said to you in the mail, you know, it's 95% failure. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> you're kind of waiting. You're writing and hoping. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a Burt Bacharach song, maybe, you know, We're writing <laughs> and a hoping and a wishing. Um yeah. And yeah, listen, you know, Black 47, you know, that started 11 years ago. Wow. You know, PJ Dillon, um, you know, one of the best cinematographers out there. Um, I had worked with him on a short that we did called Jelly Baby that was directed by Ronan Rob Burke and he was the DOP on that and we just got friendly and he kind of came to me kind of early 2007 uh, with this idea um, which was you know to do a revenge western uh, set during the famine and also he had this character of the Connacht Ranger coming back and basically seeing that the people who were meant to look after his family didn't And so it goes on a trail of revenge and retribution. So PJ had all of that. And uh, when he came to me, uh, you know, that's a real gift for a screenwriter. Because, you know, it's just fine. It sounds simple. Like, it sounds like, okay, it's only a couple of lines in that description. But within that, um, there's just a wealth of kind of story places you can go. Absolutely. Um, And so it was an absolute gift. Yeah, so then we worked on it together. And we did, we kind of worked on a treatment together together. Uh, for a feature, but also at the same time, we kind of realised, you know, it could be good. We could make a short. That's not just a, I suppose, um, a, a, a kind of a, a business card or whatever, you know, a selling point for the for the movie, but actually could work on its own. Do you yeah. know? And, yeah. and could be distinctive. Yeah. So yeah, so we worked. It, we kind of did a, a short film script called "The Three Killings of the Ranger." That was the first title of it, okay. which kind of shows you kind of what we were going for even the way back uh, yeah yeah um and so basically yeah three killings of the ranger we, we kind of realized that um you know a short you'd be lucky to get one killing <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> yeah. so budget, per- budget permitting budget yeah. permitting and you have horses and all kinds of things you know so <laughs> we we concentrated yeah on the on the one killing and and that's um you can watch it online i mean it's on ranger it's uh, it's on youtube it looks fantastic it was done with TG Carter yeah and it shot on film. It's shot on film, certainly is, oh. and and PJ just makes it look amazing, as, as as you can well imagine, and we had great actors in it, um, and just hearing sort of the Irish language in that kind of genre milieu, yeah. you know, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just went, oh, this feels right, yeah. Do you know this is? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're I, onto something. We're onto something here, you know. And yeah, I know yeah. people kind of go, "Oh, it's like potato western, isn't that what it is?" You know, like <laughs> a spaghetti western, potato western. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it just worked. And It was kind of you know, muddy and bloody, and uh, you know the way that the short kind of ends, you you, you want to know what he's going to do next. Okay. Do you know? Um, so then we wrote the the script so together and then yeah it's like several years later he's like jump forward i mean it almost got made a couple of times right yeah i think MacDara Kelleher, who's the producer of it he did um a kind of presentation at the Galway Film there this year. Right. Kind of detailing the production history of it. Okay. Um, and I think if you go on Twitter, you can actually see the slides and okay. stuff. I know Niall from Scanon, he he put them up. Okay. Um, and yeah, you can just see the amount of times it almost was there. But because of the, the the, I suppose, the budget level of it, mm. which I think is about nine or ten million, I think that's what Mac said, dollars. Yeah. Um it's just incredibly hard to get that amount of money together for an Irish independent feature um, and make all the everything come together. Do you know? Like all the financing, all the various bits and pieces. It's very easy for one bit of financing to disappear for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and then everything kind of is like Jenga. It's just all, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. financing Jenga. So, yeah, that was, I think, 2012. It really came okay. very, very close. Yeah. And then, yeah, then it's a couple of years of, you know, again this is sort of you know producing stuff but you, yeah. you know, he's having to reapply for different financing things and yeah. you know, it just mm-hmm. takes a while. So, you know, as the writer, go a co writer, yeah. um, you're kind of Telling your family, you know, it's going to happen this year, you know, oh, or it's going to yeah, happen, yeah. you know, you're going to get really good Christmas presents this year. <laughs> yeah. No slinkies for you this I really year. really promise. And then it's like, oh, you're going to have to make two with the old, you know, uh, self-handmade card. Yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh, it'll be a really lovely one. Have a drink on me. Tea yeah. bag. St- <laughs> <laughs> tea bag in the card. The old lottery tickets. You never know. though. <laughs> you never know. Um, so, yeah. So that, that was kind of the longish. Yeah journey of it yeah 11 years and well
2: drafting away d- different drafting.
1: well yeah. yeah i mean like several drafts and yeah. then um yeah i mean then you you know because you only get a certain amount of development money then you got to kind of move on yeah do you know yeah, you know you're, if you're trying to make a living yeah. you can't just um keep you have to be making money somehow so yeah um and then, you know, again, because of that period of time, the you know, the easiest thing to do is, you know, to work on the script and you know, get other points of view and you know, like Eugene O'Brien, for example, he also has a like a co writing credit. And, you know, Eugene's a fantastic writer. Mm. And, you know, he brought, you know, stuff to it as well. Um, particularly in the third act when you when you see the, the movie. Um that's a lot of his stuff. So Yeah, it's kind of, again, all the characters, you know, except for Sarah Green's character. Mm. So Sarah's character was was, uh, introduced by Lance when he did a pass on the script. But apart from that, um, really all the characters were conceived by PJ and myself way back when.
2: Mm. What was your favourite character to write?
1: Uh, th- or, do you, or do you love all your children? I, you got it. Yeah, you do. Actually, you have to. You <laughs> have to love all your characters, flaws and flaws and all. You know, but um, Keneally, love writing Keneally. That's Stephen Ray's, Ray's character, yeah, yeah, who is a F- bit of a trickster, I yeah. suppose. You know, yeah. um, and you're not quite sure, you know, what his angle is most of the time. Was he based on
2: any historical <laughs> figure? Not or? really.
1: We just wanted somebody who was kind of educated, right. kind of a hedge school kind of education, mm. and you know, he's kind of smarter really than the guys around him. Yeah. You know, even though you know they may dress fancy in their British army uniforms or whatever, but he, um, you know, he's the guy that could probably speak Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, great. Not dissimilar
0: similar from like Bry and Michael Collins, just like, yes, really yeah. on the ball kind
1: of character. Yeah. Uh,
2: cool. We might jump back, go way back to just do. Okay. Uh, how you first got into writing and filmmaking?
1: Uh, well, you know, you got to go back to. Formative years. Yeah. Yeah. Um like mm-hmm. I spent my first couple of years in, in Tremor. Do you know Tremor? Have you been to Tremor? Waterford. In Waterford, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Never I've heard been it. there, it's yeah. you've never been. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go. Uh, it's it's like a typical Irish seaside town. Like yeah. I was there in the late seventies, early eighties. Um and yeah, it's kind of, you know, typical touristy town. So it has two seasons. It's got like a summer season and a winter season. And it yeah. felt like the winter season lasted about 42 weeks a year. Right. Uh, and then you had this 10 weeks of, of kind of, <laughs> a bit of a bit of summer. And what would happen in June is that all the amusements would arrive in
2: yeah.
1: ah. uh, overnight nearly, you yeah. know. And suddenly they set themselves up down to the prom. And suddenly the place would be filled with like you know lights and sounds and ghost trains and wow. people. People would arrive. Turned into Santa Turists. Santa Carla then, did well, it? Well, it did. I always say it kind of you know even as a young kid you kind of felt you're you're like sort of De Niro in Casino basically. You know you're like this <laughs> is it? You're looking it. around going I can play pitch and putt whenever I like. <laughs> Do you know where else would I be? Um, <laughs> this so, is the life. This is the life. So yeah, that was ten weeks, and then, you know, literally, you know, first week of September or so, like all the amusements would pack up and leave just as quickly, and there'd be a few left behind, and usually they'd have some kind of tarpaulin kind of draped over them, tied around, you know, so I always kind of said it looked like a crime scene where all your dreams have been murdered, (laughs) you know, you just saw all these things (laughs) going there (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, then, you know, you'd have it felt like 42 weeks of winter this this grey, this block of grey would just roll in off the sea, yeah And uh, I just remember endless Sundays. We'd drive down. We didn't live that far from the prom, but you would drive, you wouldn't walk down because the weather was just terrible. And you'd be sitting in the car just looking out at the sea, eating an ice cream for hours. I think this is a Morrissey song. It is, (laughs) isn't it? But it's exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. It is, it is every day. Um, So that was... So you know there wasn't much to do back then. Now I'm sure like tremor you know southeast tourism will be onto me now to say you know there's lots to do now. Yeah. But back then there there wasn't. You know you, yeah. occasionally if the wind was blowing right you might get S4C coming in on your on your TV that you know the <laughs> Welsh Channel really? that was really exotic. If that are right. you are like oh, look at this. Um, but apart from that, so I you know a lot of time in the house. Uh, you know I'm an only child okay. and. Uh, I kind of just turned the house into sort of my own sort of canvas, really. I would paint and draw and write on the walls. And, you know, neighbours would arrive and tell my mum to, you know, give him a smack in the arse. You? Well, you know, like, <laughs> but she really facilitated it. And she said, no no, 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 go. So, you know, I'd fill a wall and then she'd like paint over it and then I'd fill it again, you know. And that's all I've been doing all my life is basically that's redrafting and drafting. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, yeah. you write something and then you just, you know, you write the next thing. Yeah. Um, so it kind of goes back to that. Also as well, I had a really kind of formative uh, cinema experience. There was a, one cinema in the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Carousel Cinema. Uh, it was like a one-screen cinema. And it was run by a guy called Jack Piper, um, which is a great name. I think that should be in an yeah, action movie definitely. somewhere, isn't it? Jack yeah. Piper. Piper. And I saw Superman Two at the age of five on my own in a completely empty cinema, um, because my dad was good friends with, with Jack, and they'd just gotten a new projector. And he knew Dad was kind of a, you know, a tech geek or whatever, yeah. and so he invited him down. Two of them went up into the projector booth to you know watch the the thing, and I basically sat in this empty cinema Brilliant. watching Superman 2. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the end of it, I remember coming out into the lobby, and they had one of these... It's like these massive Oversized urns That remember Cafe Sen Kind of specialised in oh, yeah, yeah. you know, all those ridiculous things yeah. well, I don't know how it ended up in Tremor Back <laughs> in the early 80s But um, Yeah I remember And I can really I can put myself Sort of Into the head Into the brain Of you know Five year old peers And I know I can I can still to this day It's as clear as anything The thought that I had Was when I stared At this urn I said if I can just Squint hard enough well, I bet I can get Laser beams To come out of my eyes And I can blast that urn <laughs> honestly I was so and I'm sure I tried um, and, well, and that, then Gene Hackman <laughs> comes in and he's <laughs> like Miss
0: Tessbacher <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that was yes, yeah, so that had a real impact it wasn't the first film I'd seen the cinema the first one was like Bedknobs and Broomsticks wow. um, which makes me sound like I'm 90 to be honest um, how year
2: was
0: that that was probably... A, re, a reissue. No, yeah. I'm not no. sure if
1: it was. was that, that was the 60s. Late 70s, we can check it out, but it may have been a reissue possibly by the time we got down to Waterford. Um, but I just remember Angela Lansbury being tossed around on a flying bed, basically. that's That was my takeaway <laughs> from that movie. I've never seen it since. Yeah, She's living in Ireland now, I believe, isn't she? In Cork, yeah, somewhere. I think she had relatives in Drumcondra, even. Because remember, they shot an episode of Murder, She Wrote around there. Did they? Yeah. Did they? yeah and uh, (laughs) I I think for the reason yeah for the reason being I think she had like a relation or something around there wow Um, yeah so that was that was so Tremor Tremor's just a weird place it fills you even to this day I keep going back to it I just kind of it's kind of filled your cup up a bit with stories you know and like for example it was just a crazy place there was like a neighbour down the road um, who a relative came over from the US and uh, he was a submarine captain in the second world war right and uh, they say this to a, another neighbor beside them, and they said, "Oh, geez, that's really interesting." And he said, "Why? Well, because your man across the road was a U-boat captain." No way! <laughs> so literally, the guy went over across the road, knocking the door, and says, where are you?" And they went to the local pub apparently, and I would love to know, you know, about that conversation. Oh but they went for several drinks. But a U-boat. So basically, Tremor tourism should be, you know, where U-boat captains come to retire. Yeah. yeah. You know, because you know, again, it was so. Um, I think the fatality level was so high, if you're a U-boat captain, you know, it's really unlikely you're going to survive, but if you did, I suppose you really want to feel the time that's been given to you, and there's one thing that Tremor does really well, it makes you feel every second that you're there, (laughs) it (laughs) bangs you over the head, going, yeah, you know, it's going really slowly today. It's funny, these little
2: seaside towns around the country, like the characters that end up there, so did any of these
1: characters find their way into they kind scripts? of attract lunacy basically yeah. that was one of the chief yeah employment I think there's a right. film in that there's definitely there a film there is in that. yeah no listen you know they do they do kind of feed into your work and, and you know um, you kind of and again there was other characters there was a woman who went around with a, a sort of a dog on her shoulder when she would walk the dog there were actually two dogs and they would be on her shoulders and she would be bent over and when you would talk to her you'd be looking at the dogs <laughs> at her, your eye level so it's like and she'd be like ah oh, there, you know, and like, how's it going? Yeah. Um, and it was almost like the dogs had taken control of her. You know, oh, I nice. mean, even as a kid, you would be kind of going, "This is really weird." Is it? is that they're... Cruella the Villain? Or... <laughs> but they're <laughs> using her to drive around the neighborhood almost. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Mars yeah, attacks. You're always on. Yeah, yeah. Mars attacks, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I love Mars attacks. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen. Uh, as as a writer, you know, you're always always constantly aware of you know, so is there, any, is there anything here I can use? Do you know what I mean? Like story-wise, it's the, it's the Nora Ephron thing of everything is copy. You know that thing, you know, everything is journalistic copy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's what our mother used to say because she was a, a screenwriter. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I, it can be hard because you can be in situations which are emotional and you should be in the moment. Do you know? And it could be a funeral or or something like this, you know? Mm. But you're also this part of your head that's Mm. kind of going, remember this, remember this, remember this. And that kind of takes you out of the moment a bit too. So you have to try and get the balance.
2: Yeah, I think comedians have that issue as well. Like, you know, always finding the funny... Yes. And I think writers have that as well, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They'd be able to switch it off sometimes.
1: It's weird. And I think also like growing up as a, like an only child as well, yeah. um, you know, I had the full force of my mum's love, which um, it's hard. <laughs> Do you have brothers <laughs> or sisters? I have too yeah, many. He has a lot. You have a lot? Do you Time have two? Yeah. You have two. Okay, so at least you get to share that force. But when you're on your own, um, there's a fine line between kind of a mother's love and some pathological lying. Do you know? Um, well, particularly I mean, if I mean, you're if you're an only child, it really you get it full force. Well, at uh, least
0: you got the pick of the, like the multi pack of crisps. Oh, look! Like you all. could have the salt and vinegar. first. Always you with wanted. you.
1: It's the multi pack crisps. <laughs> what happened
0: to you, Paul? <laughs> Tell us. I, yeah. Well, you know, what's this, the KP skips. What's
1: <laughs> it, well, What's gr- the chipsticks? The chipsticks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember getting that. So probably you know I got too much encouragement, mm. and that probably I'm you know, being told you know too much here the golden child yeah. and you know you're kind of like oh I can do anything and so that you know I find that a lot of people in this industry you know do either have like a parent that was really kind of um, encouraging or a teacher that was basically telling you're absolutely fantastic yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. kind of pushing you forward but um, I had an experience later on in life when I realised that mom sometimes was a pathological lawyer um, because <laughs> in school we had, a, we had a and again this is when I was a really innocent sort of probably 11 or 12 or something like this we had a no uniform day yeah. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, as soon as mum heard, she went, uh, Oh, listen, you know, there's, there's a shop down the road there. And I saw something in the window. I, I, it's like an outfit you could wear. <laughs> I was like, An outfit. <laughs> that should have set alarm bells <laughs> off when she said an outfit. <laughs> you know, she's thinking you're going to Ascot or something, yeah. you, know, or, you know, Ladies Day <laughs> or something. Um, uh, I was like, Oh, yeah. She's like, Oh, listen, you'd you, you look really cool it looks so cool with this on. Oh, no. And I didn't have any brothers and sisters to go, oh, yeah, don't listen to do this. <laughs> bail, bail out. So I went, oh, yeah, okay, great. So when she got the, the outfit, and uh, I wore it and walked into the, strode into school, into the art, And I remember there was a, a guy there who, um, he been quite. He'd be. He was quite heavily picked on in the year by by some of the so the bullying kids, and he was like wearing just like a denim shirt, denim jeans, and uh, I remember him looking over at me, and I could see on his face just a look of. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but I realised years later it was utter relief because he knew that he would not be picked on <laughs> that day because what Mum had sent me in wearing was a tracksuit, um, for the West End Smash hit musical Cats. No way.
2: Um, <laughs> Where did she? You...
1: So it had cats written across the chest. It had two <laughs> eyes on the back, and, yeah. and, and most importantly, had two eyes on the thigh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So yeah, I I strode in there. Yeah, I I, yeah that haunted me. When he was wearing double denim
0: that day, he must have been like, "I'm fucked." (laughs)
1: And you walked in. (laughs) Hang on, hold hold the papers. Wait, wait, wait! Stop the press! (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that yeah. So pathological lying mothers. What about uh, what
0: about some influences? What kind of informed your work
1: early on? Uh, well, informed to work earlier on. Just watching, you know, as as many films as you could in the eighties. We actually we didn't get a video uh, player until quite late on, mm-hmm. so I kind of missed out on that. Except you know, if I go to other relatives or cousins' houses, sometimes they would have video player, and you get yeah. to watch something, and yeah, you get yeah. to pick something to put on. But um. Yeah, no, you know, i obsessed with all the usual 80s stuff. Do you know, Mm -hmm. like Indiana Jones, of course, and, you know, you could... But, like, later on, I suppose, you know, when you're about 13, maybe, so 14, then suddenly you start going, oh, there's lots more other types of movies (laughs) out there that I want to kind of watch. And and even stuff like Westerns, you know, because they would always be on telly. Do you Mm know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know, again, you sound like an old dinosaur here, but it's not like now where it's... You know, you have to go to your various streaming things or Filmstruck or whatever to find, you know, there's so few channels that just show you yeah. kind of movies, you know. Although yeah. you've got Talking Pictures now in the UK, which is fantastic. Right. Um, they show lots of stuff. But, yeah. yeah, I just remember Westerns on Saturdays. I remember, I, like, you know, RT would sometimes show them, BBC would sometimes show them. Yeah. Um, so that was, definitely, that was definitely a big influence. Even watching kind of, I remember... So Saturday morning TV, they even at that stage they were still showing like some of the old Flash Gordons, right? Wow. Which again uh, makes me sound ridiculous, but they were, yeah. They, yeah, and, yeah. and and like Lone Ranger and, and things like that. Um, so that definitely fed fed into it. Um, but I just yeah, I was obsessed obsessed with drawing as well and and cartoons. Yeah, and you know I used to make little cartoon books and and stuff like that and. Um, uh yeah, then it just kind of it fell on once it got into 13, 14, and and then suddenly you're kind of like, okay, wow, um, and you know you've got people appearing on TV, you know, Alex Cox video drop, you know, all those all those kind of programs that suddenly are turning you on to kind of things, you know, yeah. and you're kind of discreetly recording them, you know, I'm you know, writing The Simpsons or something, you yeah, know, right. on the video label, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, but actually, bizarrely, I met Mark Cousins for the first time there no oh, about, about that, two weeks ago. Uh, I, he was at the, the IFI, I have, yeah. yeah, at the screening the of...
2: Broad, um Orson Welles boot I held it Did you hold I it? I held it Orson Welles I didn't oh, try Mark it on, on
0: valley <laughs> <laughs> it
2: Actually the weird thing is It had uh, his or- orthotic his, Yeah Inside He pulled it out What's, so what's an or- orthotic? Uh, you know like a, he, had flat feet.
0: he had flat feet Oh he had feet. flat feet So like Slip, a lift in yeah. the middle Yeah yeah, to yeah, to yeah raise his arch his, Yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So it was lovely to be able to tell him, you know, how important his kind of shows were in particular. And I remember he turned me up like, one of my favourite movies is Johnny Guitar. Do you know Johnny Guitar? Nicholas Ray movie. Joan Crawford, Mercedes, Mark oh, Cambridge, uh, <laughs> Sterling Hayden. Yeah. It's an amazing yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it probably would have been years before I would have got around to it. Yeah, yeah. But I just remember one night, it was Sunday night, and it's, you know, Mark, you, yeah. know, you know, joining guitar. You know, it's like. <laughs> 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 and uh, it was just, it was lovely to be able to tell the person who kind of, you yeah. know, uh, got you, you know, you're one of your favorite movies. Or What yeah, do you say in cool situations guy. like that? Uh, you know? I just told him that I, I, love just, I love your work. Listen, I said, "Well, I just said thank you so much. You turned me on to Johnny Guitar, and he seemed to be really, really happy about that. You know, he's, he's like Johnny He's Guitar. such a nice guy. He's such so a nice, Movie yeah. nerd, yeah, yeah.
2: it be
0: like, <laughs> you know? yeah, we love movie nerds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I talk then yeah. um, just about some of your? Obviously, you've done, you've written a couple of shorts, which were, sure. which we touched on, but your first foray into features, yeah.
1: How? What was that experience like? Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Standby. Basically, the idea came from, because I worked in Dublin Airport for several years. I worked at the tourist information desk in Dublin Airport, which is where the main character in Standby works. And that was an amazing uh, kind of experience. I'd recommend any writer to go and work at a desk like that because you get to meet so many people in even like an eight-hour shift. And you meet so many different kind of characters and people, they're out of their comfort zone. So they're in the airport, they're under pressure, they may have had to jump, or they may just come off a long flight. And Most
0: people are pretty cranky in those circumstances, cring- though, they start
1: they? revealing kind of aspects of their character which perhaps you know they would try to contain or hide you know yeah. <laughs> but you're getting the sort of full blunt of it so I've seen like you know you know, relationships break up in front of me wow. you know because the guy didn't you know he forgot to realise that his, his passport was out of date you know and right. she's kind of like you know you, you, oh, you had one thing to do yeah. you had yeah, yeah. one thing he's like ah would you leave me alone come on you know <laughs> or else you know there was um, I remember there was a honeymoon couple it was an American honeymoon couple came up to the desk and they were looking for accommodation and so she went to the bathroom and as soon as She had left. The guy turned to me. Goes, um, oh yeah. So what's the cheapest you've got? Because you know we used to book accommodation. I was like, and he's he's like, well, you know, there's there's guest houses um, in the city centre. It's like one star, two, you know, two star. And he's like, oh yeah, just show, show, show me. And it was like thirty quid per person. And he was like, oh yeah, that would. And he went for the really the cheapest he could find, like one star. Just, literally, we had sent another couple to this place previously, a Swedish couple. I remember they rang back after about half an hour and they seemed to be slightly distressed. And we're like, what's wrong? He says, yes, well, we arrived into the room and there was a, a sink. And I'm like, yeah. But there is only half a sink it is missing half and we're like oh well you know you know, if you should, have gone, for the, should have gone it, for the two star was it was it Willy Wonka's office yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get nothing you lose so he yeah he was just like tell me something about it and I was like oh but it's a Georgian townhouse he's like yeah perfect okay and and his new bride arrived back he's like honey we're going to stay in a Georgian townhouse in the Dublin city centre and I was like oh this marriage is really going to last
0: yeah there'll be plenty of swiping left there'll for be plenty
1: him. and then his other characters in the airport there was, um, this is before uh, before nine eleven. Basically, the the main enemy of the airport police was like a seventy year old woman who um, she had some kind of beef with the airport authority and would come up every day with a bag of sandwiches. Which she would stuff into the toilets in the ladies. Really? And try to break the toilets? Yeah. <laughs> so, literally, I know, it's it's strange, isn't it? So, we would be there, and suddenly you'd see these airport police running down the hall going, she's down the hall, she's down in these toilets. You know, because, you know, there's all these various toilets, and they right, go, yeah, yeah. and they brought me in one day. They said, no, listen, you have to see this. You have to see what. So, they brought me in. And literally, it was like filled to the brim with like really well made sandwiches. And, you know, you have that George Costanza moment where you're like, well, the middle one is probably okay. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> it's like that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but it was yeah, so you have very strange uh very strange people. Um but yeah, so I you know, the idea basically was that you have this guy working at the desk and you know, up to the desk comes a girl who he had sort of a relationship with a summer romance on a J1. Yeah. you know, in the States. And, you know, they didn't keep in contact. And now she's here because her flight's been, you know, perhaps delayed or, you know, it's been changed. And she's ended up in Dublin and she has to spend the night in Dublin before she heads off. Um, and so they kind of reconnect over a overnight. Um, that was the kind of the initial kind of core idea. Um, as you got into it, you kind of realised as, as you were kind of writing it, you sort of realised that um, it needed another engine to keep the story going. Um, Unless you're, you know, Richard Dindlaker and Julie Delpy, and Ethan Hawke, and you have, you know, months to kind of rehearse and and try to work out who these characters and just the subtleties of character, um, you know, unless you have that, then you kind of need an engine which kind of keeps the movie going. It's something they're both pursuing, but as they're pursuing, they're reconnecting at the, the same time. Mm. And listen, you know, we spent five years um, writing. Really? Script. Uh, seventy drafts. More okay. than seventy. Yeah. Um and is that you working with Rob and Ron yeah, yeah, so okay. Ron and Rob were directing it, John Wallace producing, um but it's me writing it, yeah. do you know? Yeah. And uh yeah it it was just it was it was a it was a brutal experience if I'm really? if I'm being totally honest about it. Well, but,
0: but an important one but it sounds it
1: cool. was important one it's important in terms of yeah it was a massive learning experience i think for all of us you know um like you were bouncing around you were trying different genres so like rom-com
2: is a very mm-hmm. difficult one to do mm. uh you know so you're like well i'm going to do another thing or, you
1: know yeah different. well do you know it, it's always I always kind of go write the movies that you love write the movies that you're interested in and uh, and again we love all kinds of movies so why wouldn't you want to write all kinds of movies yeah yeah do you know Um, so the western I mean the weird thing is obviously like Black 47 is before Standby Oh. Uh, right, okay. So do you know the, what I mean? So, the, so all yeah. the time, yeah, yeah. you know, we're going through kind of the trials and tribulations of, of, of standby, and I kind of know Black 47 is there yeah. in the background, or the Rangers as it was called, and, and, you know, just waiting for that yeah. to kind of come along. Um, was there
0: an element of, oh, I'll show these, they don't realise what I have? Well, <laughs> <laughs> those sons of bitches. <laughs> you think I'm a petty man, Paul, don't you? Um, no, but, you, you know, you need to self-motivate, don't you? Surely. Oh, you do.
1: I knew there was a, yeah, there's a really... Uh, like I knew PJ myself had had written something very special. I felt it was a really strong piece of work, mm. um, and yeah, you're just you know you have your fingers crossed and you just hope. Geez, you know I hope this gets on screen. You know one day, um, yeah, and all all the while, like I said, ninety five percent failure. So you're writing all kinds of other projects and things, and, and you know TV stuff, and uh, you know you're just you are bouncing around. Yeah, sometimes if you're doing a project that's in a particular genre, you're probably less inclined to do an, the next project in the same genre. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. kind of going, okay, I'm a bit empty on that. You yeah, know, yeah. let's yeah. just try sci-fi. Okay, yeah. let's see yeah, what we yeah. can we can do there, you know.
2: Because yeah. some directors or some writers might say, oh, you should pick your genre mm. and stick to it. And I just find that a little bit stifling, you know.
1: Yes. Mm. No, I don't understand why they would say that to a writer. I, I would. Yeah. You know, the best thing a director can say is just write the best story. Yeah you do know, write the best story that you're interested in that's yeah. going to have characters that are going to grab us I guess know? that's an
0: Irish mentality thing though isn't it you know or if something you, you strike gold with something it's like well let's keep this going because well it's an industry thing it's, an ind-
1: it's like you know if you you know again it's, it's easier to sell a movie if you can clearly say what the genre is you know and it, it comes sometimes with an inbuilt audience like horror for example yeah. you know but you have to be kind of very aware of the conventions of these genres, do you know? And, you're, you know, if it's going to be a horror, it better frighten yeah. people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it's going to be a thriller, better thrill. Yeah. Um, so and sometimes people kind of forget almost the genre that they're writing in, in a weird way. They start off going, I'm going to do this. But then halfway through, they sort of lose the courage of their convictions right. and don't fully... Yeah. carry all the way through you know
2: is there a genre you'd love to try that you
1: haven't tried yet um is there a genre yeah i you know love to try you know some sci-fi although I, i'm like i know the next two things that I, i'm kind of i've got a script in with the film board at the moment or screen yeah. um and that's a kind of a period piece set in the 70s um and then the next thing where PJ and myself are kind of working on something as well, which is more kind of period related to. Yeah. Um so yeah, like I do like research. I do enjoy that angle of things is again, you're again, you're just learning stuff. You know, you're reading books and and um you're learning things that you didn't know before. And uh, at a certain point you do have to kind of go put the books away. Yeah. I actually have to write a script now. I'm not, you know, here to read books for the next, yeah. you know, year. You know, do
0: you, you enjoyed that process, though, <clears throat> the research. I, like. I do.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh, you'd have to if you're writing those kind of. And you know, again, that was the, you know, the great thing about uh, so Black Forty Seven in that because I hadn't been on screen. Um, you know, the famine hadn't been on screen, and I had done history in college. Um, and you, but you know, you just open up any page, any account of the famine, and you kind of go, "Wow, well, that would be an amazing scene." you know, in a movie, you know, to see that. It's um, just, you, you know, it sound, it's it's a terrible thing to kind of, it sounds flippant, but again, there was like abundance of riches in terms of story in, yeah. you know, when you look at the famine, you know, there's so many visual kind of ideas in the accounts mm. of of the famine that, um, yeah, you're kind of a bit spoiled for choice, really, you know, you kind of had to narrow it down what were the ones that were the most impactful, you know. Okay.
0: Like an untapped oil well. You're like, wow, this is amazing. It hasn't been done before.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, yes. There will be blood, basically. Yeah. I, <laughs> I drink your milkshake. Yeah. Uh, when oh. I say I'm an oil
0: man. <laughs>
2: and, uh, do you tend to go on set? Or say, were you on set for Black 47? Uh,
1: I was on set for two days in was Black 47, yeah. um, which is quite f- funny. Um, I
0: want this man removed immediately.
1: Yeah. I can tell you, yeah, I can tell you the story. I think I'm allowed to tell you the story. But when I came on set, you know, they give you these earphones that, you know, all the actors are mic'd up yeah. and stuff, you know. And uh, you're not supposed to listen. <laughs> right. You know, when they're not performing, you know. But I see, like, this Hugo Weaving and, and uh, this Freddie Fox, and they're over there, you know, chatting away in between takes. And I'm like, oh, gosh, look, I'll have a listen. i have an old <laughs> listen there, you know. Because, you know what, I bet they're talking about the script, and I bet they're saying, you know, I was reading the script last night, and I discovered just there's another layer to it that I hadn't <laughs> seen. You know, they're really getting into it. Do you know, like... And so I put on the headphones, and this is what I hear, and this is my Hugo Weaving impression, okay? So, you know, please... You know, send any complaints to to head stuff. Um, so he goes, uh, "Oh, Freddie, like, um, what was the name of that mobile phone frog? <laughs> Remember the mobile phone frog?" Freddie Fox, you know, it's like, well, I'm sorry, Hugo, what are, you, what are you talking about? Oh, the mobile found frog. remember that? He's like, You mean the crazy frog? I think, like, Oh, that's right. It was the crazy frog. Crazy frog. <laughs> I'm on the other side of the set. Terry Mehero going, What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. Crazy frog. <laughs> you know, that's where his head was. It's crazy frog. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, again, all the actors, they have their pros and they're so, you know, and again, they're so amazing. You know, yeah. the, those actors. I don't know how they do it. And Jim Broadbent was there as well. I think he was kind of reciting his like he was a sea shanty or something or a long poem. What an actor he is. Um, And he's just such the nicest person in the world, you know. Um, So, yeah, it was just kind of interesting to see their various processes. And again, it's just weird to see characters come to life that, you know, you were writing, you know, while on the dole in your bedroom. (laughs) Do you know, like (laughs) years and years ago? Um, It's very weird, you know. Um, and then so and then posters around and trailers and, and there's posters and, posters and trailers and and yeah and it it's that must be cool. It's so cool yeah yeah you know like again I, I'm a fan of going to the cinema and when you see something you're like oh my god this is you know, amazing but bizarrely enough I went to the cinema that was oh, I, forgot, I went to see Jaws remember they were showing the lighthouse cinema there recently mm-hmm. and then you know there was posters up for black 47 and I sat down and there's a couple of people behind me two guys and they had seen the posters and they were talking about black 47 and they're going oh yeah it looks really good looks really good you know and I was you know beaming you know, on the yeah. frontier and you know, oh, this is great yeah. and then one of them turns to the other so who's in it who, who are the actors in it and the other guy goes ah you know it's the usual from Fair City <laughs> 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 I wanted to turn around and go what you know but then the trailer came on for the movie and they seemed to be suitably impressed by that so. okay yeah they did a great job on the trailer they did didn't they? yeah it's yeah. Wildcard yeah. yeah Wildcard and Patrick uh, and everybody there did a fantastic job yeah cool um, yeah so what's next for you What's next? Uh, well, it's those, again, waiting yeah. to hear yeah. about that other script. Yeah. Um, working again with PJ, working with also a friend of mine, Francesca. She played Beatrice in standby, and we're kind of working on a couple of TV things as well, ideas. Um, so, yeah, constantly, constantly busy, you know, yeah. working. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah like, but like I said, it's 95% failure. I think yeah. I heard, it was Ashleen B was on second captains or something and she made the really good point that it's important to talk about failure. Yeah. You know because she's just gotten like a series in Channel 4 I think but she was like but you know all the series that have not mm-hmm. gone mm. to pilot or whatever that or the series that have gone to pilot and didn't go to series that yeah. she has done over the years and the failure and stuff. So it's yeah it's kind of important that people realise that yeah art is about failure yeah. a lot of the time yeah. you know mm, yeah. um, and it's trying to kind of take what you can yeah, from the failure and uh, it's, it's making a, lemonade. Fail better. Fail, fail again, fail better. Uh, Thanks, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah,
2: all of us, a note. Uh, no, it's, it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast. Yeah. It's is there any tips you have for kind of, yeah, resilience? And well,
1: I, I take the tip because I do a little bit of teaching as well. Yeah. I, I teach a bit in um, Pulse College about screenwriting. And one of the things I always tell the the students there is that nobody needs to know how you became a genius. Right. So what that means is that it's so easy um, to basically put everything that you film up online. Mm. even if you're shooting on your phone or something and it's yeah, like yeah. you're putting immediately up there um, and nobody needs to see your kind of rough work I mean it's great you're doing that because that's how you learn you're making your mistakes Yeah. Um, but only put up your good stuff Okay. do you know what I mean because yeah, yeah, when yeah. people come knocking and you've sent let's say some good stuff to them they're going to go to your site or whatever yeah. and it you know I've heard from a couple of people saying it would have been so much more impressive if they only had two or three things on their site that were good mm. as opposed to 15 or 20 videos or something that were really not so good, you know, that were part of their processes, you know, as an artist and and developing their craft, but um, they didn't need to see them. So that's my kind of big thing I I keep telling the students, you know. Um, And also as well, just write, you know, uh, write things that interest you, write characters that you love and um, don't sort of be cynical about it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. be be you know, do it because you genuinely want to express yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Um and it's you know, it's important to you, you know? Is there um, anything that you can that you
2: do to try and help ward off that cynicism or just keep going to the movies?
1: <laughs> keep going to the movies. Um yeah, it's it's how do you ward off cynicism? <laughs> I, I there's not an easy answer to yeah, that. I yeah, suppose yeah. you just have to kind of decide within yourself, yeah, you know, you know, what what kind of art do you want to produce? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? What kind of writing do you want to produce? Um choose to be positive, I guess. No? Choose to but choose to be positive, but choose to be honest, choose mm-hmm. to be truthful to you know yourself and um and also as well just the, the whole creative process itself. The, like the other thing I keep kind of banging on about is to give yourself time. Um, and it's the hardest thing to find, you know, for many of us. You know, we've all got different responsibilities and jobs and pressures and everything like that. But um, creativity—it comes from the unconscious, do you know? And you have to give that time in order for it to, for you to be able to hear it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If all the conscious, logical people could do it, yeah. You know, if it, you know, it, then they would do it, but they can't. You know, it has to come from your unconscious. So. That takes that takes time to sort of shut yourself off from the world, give yourself like half an hour, let your brain settle down, don't look at your phone, and do the thing that basically when you were in school you were told not to do, which was daydream, basically. Mm. Mm. Remember, like, if you're in school, and again, you know, it sounds like <laughs> I'm from the 1950s here, but I do remember teachers giving out to you if they saw you staring out a window. I was like, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. And you're like, no, that's actually... That's massively important. That. It's a creative yeah. process. Yeah. Daydreaming is where you, you know, again, the, those weird ideas bang off against each other, you know, in your head, and something else kind of crops up that you yeah. weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, but if you don't give yourself time, you don't hear them. Stop um, listening to
0: podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely yeah. note to leave it on, think. Yeah. You.
2: Thank you so much. Okay. That, that was lovely to wonderful. Be here. Thank Thanks you. Thanks, guys. Cheers.